Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Super excited about today's podcast. We have, uh, we've gone 150 episodes into this experiment of recording gambling content. And believe it or not, this will be our first ever podcast talking about the National Hockey League. Uh, so on one hand, uh, apologies to our loyal listeners who love hockey, who feel like they've never gotten the, uh, it, it has never gotten the attention it's deserved. Today is that day. Uh, and uh, to, you know, could not think of a better guest, could not have worked out uh, more perfectly timing wise and, um, and, and who we get to talk to today. We will be joined by uh, NHL Sharp, uh, modeler extraordinaire, gambling Twitter uh you know old old guard old school uh og of gambling twitter space none other than mr rob pozzola welcome to the deep dive thanks for having me guys yes it is great to finally talk to you uh one of the first guys i think i followed once i kind of realized this gambling twitter was a thing and i needed to have like uh uh, you know, a, a personality and, and try to get involved and, and start posting plays and stuff is definitely, uh, I think, I think ch- I definitely, I followed cheetah, uh, and then, uh, and then pizza, uh, and then maybe a handful of other, uh, old school guys spread a PDF for sure. Uh, probably one of the first guys. periscopes I watched before I really figured out what that was. Oh, that's a great call. Yeah. Definitely. Like the, definitely. The definitely. Sun- Sunday morning coffee time periscope. Like I, I didn't really understand the whole concept. I thought it was dumb. And then I'm like, Oh, it just, it's just video that sticks into Twitter. Like we can do that. <laughs> That's, cool. <Yeah. laughs> That's cool. So yeah. So, so thank you for uh, the inspiration and, uh, and kind of, you know, being a, a, a very uh, reasonable and sound and sane voice in the sea of insanity that is gambling Twitter. Uh, and uh, yeah. Are you excited about the uh, NHL playoffs that uh, just gets the puck just got dropped, right? Yeah, there's uh, games that started. I guess so it'll be about an hour ago from when we we're from when we're recording now. But yeah, I'm excited. This is one of my favorite times of year in general, not just because of NHL playoffs, but this is Masters Week as well, NBA playoffs, start of baseball season, which usually usually has me pretty hyped up. And then a couple weeks into baseball season, I realize how much work it is as a whole, and I kind of sour on it a little bit. So it's definitely nice uh, to have the NHL playoffs around at this time. I like it. So, uh, first of all, people can find you on Twitter at Rob Pizzola. Is that, uh, that's your handle, right? Yeah. yeah that, okay, that's cool. the handle. It's always been my name. Uh, so yeah. Nice. And, um, pretty, I mean, brave and bold and, uh, you know, I'm curious of your thought. We'll get to this question I have for you in a second, but, uh, to be, uh, to not be anonymous is uh, is a, is a, is a brave choice when you know to a degree or maybe more than I realize like your professional life depends on you know your handicapping ability and being able to get outs and get you know get action down is is uh, is would you do it again the same way if you if you started uh, from scratch? No, I I would definitely change it. I mean the reason that, that I'm the reason that I'm not anonymous is sports media so while i was in sports media kind of trying to build a brand for myself and that's why i went behind the real name and then it just stuck around and 
there are still some people who uh, I deal with on on a regular. I probably don't even realize that they're dealing with me uh, because sure. I, I do remain anonymous in a lot of uh, other aspects uh, that I deal with. But in terms of the Twitter, if I could go back in time, I would create an anonymous handle. I wouldn't do the Periscope video. I'd probably just be uh, keep to myself and be pretty quiet about things. But um, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, just kind of <laughs> got to work with uh, with what I've, you know. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it? Was it tough actually when you first got? And, and kind of give give me a little bit more background so I understand a little better. I know you, were, you used to uh, be pretty important at Score, uh, the Score app, and then you know other another uh, you know a bunch of um, ventures beyond that i know that you have an extreme you know uh uh understanding and talent when it comes to analytics as applied to handicapping what what is some of your other background that's relevant here for for the listeners to understand yeah i mean uh, strictly from uh you know my background in school was um i, I went to school university of toronto for uh computer science and applied statistics i was working towards a double major uh i would say i was a fairly crappy programmer much more interested in the statistical side of things and just pretty much a terrible student as a whole. <laughs> um, so, I mean, basically it literally got to the point where uh, I really didn't care about any other classes aside from stats. So I would go to stats classes that were uh, a year ahead of mine, sometimes two years, um, because that was really all that I was interested in. And I was kind of resigned to not graduating and just trying to f where I could um, use that background successfully. Uh, while that was happening, uh, the score, um, who was my first employer had radio station, um, on Sirius satellite radio. It was called hardcore sports radio. Uh, and what I loved about that station is it was just real sports talk. It was more very much like guys talking at a bar and gambling. Um, so I used to listen and every day I used to call into shows every after a while, I basically just called it. I really like this radio station. Do you guys have any internship along those lines? And uh, they put me in touch with the programming director there. He brought me in for an internship for six months. Uh, after that, they offered me part-time work in school and then eventually full-time work uh, and based away finishing school versus uh, working full-time in sports media, which was kind of so started at the score i took that job in radio yeah i got to do some tv stuff there which was more sports betting talk and sports gambling which is great um but at the end of the day uh sports radio doesn't really pay a whole lot of money <laughs> and uh, i'm someone that's driven by money uh, yeah it's one of the biggest things that motivates me so uh the score at that time had launched a mobile sports app um, and because of my computer science background, I thought I could easily work uh, on this app in some capacity. So I applied for a position as the operations manager there. Uh, I got it and sort of like the rest is history. I just kind of worked my way up through the score, um, working on their app and on the side was betting and slowly evolving my models to the point where I was able to leave the score um, to pursue betting full time. Uh, funny enough, it was actually DFS at first, uh, before it evolved course, into the sports course, yeah. betting, but, um, sure. that's, that's sort of how, how the evolution of, uh, Rob Pizzola happened. <laughs> Very cool story. So the uh, score map yeah. that was in the news a while back. 
funny. funny uh, that we um, found out, yeah, we found out who programmed it now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and and the score is going to be. I mean, they they will be launching a sports book in New Jersey fairly shortly. I believe they're hoping to have it ready for football season. So it's funny how um, how that has pivoted as well from just being a regular sports media uh, company to now embracing the sports uh, betting side of things as well. That's great, man. Uh, it's a it's a fascinating background. Uh, tons of parallels for uh, for myself and some of our other friends who have kind of stumbled into this brand new media landscape here. Um, and uh, it's I have a bunch of jumping off questions for you, but uh, I guess I'll start with um, you know the the because gambling would you say generally more widely accepted in Canada than the United States? Um, I would say yes, for the most part. Um, we, in Canada, we have provincial lotteries. Um, and I mean, you guys obviously have lotteries in the States as well, but you can go to your, your local corner store or convenience store in Canada and you can put in a parlay card, for example. Uh, it's run by the government. Yes, ProLine in Ontario. And, um, you know, it'd be in Quebec, there's uh, Misoja and then there's you know, whatever, there's Atlantic lotteries and there's the BC lottery and whatever, but um, it's definitely embraced to, to that extent. I mean, people kind of grew up with it. They know it pretty well. Um, so I'd say, yeah, certainly a little bit uh, more ahead of the curve in Canada than in the States. Okay. Speaking of ahead of the curve, based on your timeline that you've kind of laid out there, I have to imagine you were probably fine-tuning algorithms and models for sports betting at a time where not a ton of other people were. Um, would you say that's a fair assessment? And how did you, I guess, how did you come about like, oh, you know what? I need to come up with some model to price this. And then you kind of, you know, take take off from there. Because like, well, you know, I mean, you would I, think I, it'd, I, it'd yeah. start with the DFS. I mean, a lot of the... Just so many of the DFS guys. That's how they started. Like, oh, I need, I need a spreadsheet. I need a spreadsheet to start organizing my thoughts. And then all of a sudden, they realize they're building, you know, pretty much player level models for sports betting. And they, they move from DFS to betting. It seems like that's a, that's a, a super common thing where it's just like, oh man, I'm already doing all this work just trying to grind out cash games and, and DFS. Why am I not betting player props or even you know games total sides, whatever? Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself to be ahead of the curve in terms of the modeling. I, I, I basically learned some tough lessons in my life because um, when I first started betting, I lost a lot of money. Um, I was in high school when I first started through university. I was losing money. Um, I'm ashamed to say it. Not that I, I never purchased any tout picks, but I did, um, I did follow some touts, and I kind sure. of took, you know, things at face value of what they were saying. Or, or basically affected my perceptions of games, um, which in hindsight was obviously very dumb because the majority of touts are are uh, losing long term. But I made a lot of mistakes uh, when I was young, and eventually just got to a point of where I lost so much money and something differently. Here, yeah. I got to figure out some sort of different approach because what I'm doing is not working. I'm a huge sports fan. I've watched you know all the major sports pretty much my whole life. Um, so you kind of have that ego when you first start betting that oh i watch these games i know these teams well it should be pretty easy for me to win money on this uh but the reality is that it's not and that's sort of when i started uh refining my approach with a more um 
I wouldn't even say getting into modeling right away, but starting to look under the covers, starting to ignore trends, um, other people's opinions, uh, dig deeper into data, so to speak. And then eventually I, I got into modeling. Um, but, you know, we talked off air before, before we came on here about uh, the podcast that Rufus did uh, for the masters and Joe Pita's book trading bases was a, a huge influence on me. Um, one of the biggest influences in my entire life. If I didn't read that book, um, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, not that there was necessarily some <laughs> anything great in there that I had to rebuild or anything. And, and that's no disrespect to Joe or anything. Uh, I don't think there was much in terms of value from an actual modeling perspective, but it just completely changed the way that I thought about sports and thought about the way uh, the ways that I can bet on sports. So that was a, a huge influence for me. Oh, I love that. A perspective changer, which is probably, and that, and that's important. It, and I, did you, I mean, we I, have, we have those all the time. I mean, just there's, there's constantly something somebody says and we, we sit back and look like, what were we doing? What were we thinking about there? And, oh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are great. Cause that's how you improve or yeah, at and least improve to the point of not losing. Right. Is, and I think it'd be uh, nice for a lot of people. I think there's an important lesson just even beyond reading a book and, and trying to copy it, which is not going to get you anything. Right. Like you right. specifically have to have a differentiating factor in the way you're doing things or else you're just going to be repeating what the rest of the market is doing and probably slower and probably not as well. <laughs> and then and then where are you? You know, like then you're only seeing value on sides and or, and or totals when you are missing something fundamentally <laughs> and then you are you know you, exactly you, you, you've built a model that is a specifically for fading <laughs> like you know that that you know yeah. I've, I've gone through that i've gone through that exact experience in the nba for sure um it's fascinating conversation but uh, yeah go ahead well, yeah, you, you talk about your mo your nba model your three years of fighting through it and finally getting and i guess something i've wanted to ask and we needed somebody on here that's done it like i guess the the, the first quick question is how long have you modeled nhl rob uh i started five years ago um <laughs> great lessons from my first year of modeling as well because the turn on investment for the first two or three months of the season was through the roof and then i basically gave all that money back um towards the end of the year um, which taught me some lessons. I mean, um, I wasn't accounting for motivation, which you need to do late on in the year. And then NH certain things change over the course of accounting for. But uh, I've done it for about five years now. Um, I consider it to be probably my biggest edge in any sport. I don't want to say probably. It is my biggest edge in any sport. The variance sucks. Um, there's a lot of extended periods of winning or losing. Uh, out and overtime variance also sucks, but um, I'm, I'm fairly confident in it. It's been a pretty good process for the last five years. Yeah. That's crazy. And I, yeah, the, the follow, yeah, that was the the follow up to that was, you know, I I don't know if we've talked to too many people that have done it for enough years where you can actually ask. Like, you find some success. How often do you find that you need to change? a lot or, or make make significant tweaks or like i found success here i need to make a hard adjustment because that edge just is starting to wane or i mean anything along yeah. those lines like like how repeatable is something from year to year in the edges that you're finding or how, how much are you having to change things from season to season i i don't uh, there's definitely i mean uh, at the end of the day if you're 
if you're content with what you have, the market's eventually going to catch up to you. So you do need some sort of differentiating factor, um, like Whale was saying earlier. But uh, you know, my model nowadays is is completely different from what it was five years ago. New data becomes available. There are new metrics in hockey measured, and you have to account for all of that. Um, the one piece of advice I could give to people who are, you know, constantly evolving their craft is to build a infrastructure. Um, you want to uh, be able yes. to test the changes that you make to your model and uh, positive impact. Uh, I see people make this mistake all that they should move on to some new metric or move on to something, but they are predictive and they don't know if that, if it will, sometimes they're using they're double counting by using that metric or there's all sorts of errors or, and problems that are from significantly changing things. So backtesting infrastructure, extremely important for any model. I guess as I was sitting and thinking about hockey today and how you model things and how I've modeled things in different sports, I don't model, I haven't modeled baseball yet. I'm going to try here, but hockey in the NBA, I don't. And the biggest thing I thought of is changing from just game to game stuff to the, all the people. And I see you, I can't say his last name, Dom, whatever his last name is. Yeah. He put together that, that conglomeration compilation of everybody's series predictions, as far as, uh, you know, the, the probabilities everybody gave each team for the first round. And it was cool. And I got to thinking like all these hockey guys are putting these series predictions together. Like, how are they doing? How are you doing that? When you, you know, you go all year and you're looking at your edges and single games. I mean, is it super complicated to start looking at a full series where, I mean, you, you got home and away games. You don't even know how many games there'll be. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a lot more variance and unpredictability because you have, I mean, there multiple games where there could be injuries. Like if you talk about like how, how you even start to predict, uh, you know, a, five, a seven game series or what are they in the first round? Am I that, am I that dense where I can't remember? Yeah, I think uh, it's all sevens. They do. Yeah. It's all, it's all sevens. Yep. I'm thinking NBA, what it used to be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how you get, how you get to a number in a seven game series like that? Yeah. So for me, I just run simulations. Yeah. It's, it's not giving away anything. I'm sure most people do it the same way, but for me, it relations of, oh, so, uh, I mean, I have a, it would be sort of considered a power rating, I guess, for each team, uh, what they would be expected, how they would be expected to perform against the league average team. And then I just simulate each series 50,000 times, uh, which removes most of the variance. So it's basically just going through all the permutations of each series uh, and arriving at exactly how many times a team wins a series, how many times they win in each amount of games. So it's really not that all that complicated a process. Uh, years ago, I actually used to do something like that in, in Microsoft Excel, which actually used to take forever to run, but it is even sure. possible to run those in, uh, in Excel. You don't need any sort of uh, crazy programming background or anything. So you want to know what the distribution is, you build one. Exactly. <laughs> All right. That's great. You just, uh, yeah, you just need a giant distribution. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. So the, uh, some, some, some of the, so many, so many different directions we could jump off in here. Uh, but I, the one I'm curious about is, um, you know, you, you raised a really good point, which is if you're going to test new, you know, new, new, uh, data, if you're going to, um, you know, just 
just test a new hypothesis and you're doing it from a model-based approach, you need to have some infrastructure to do so. And that is something that you 1 million percent can carry over from season to season or within a season if you're testing different things from the beginning, middle, or end of the season, right? And, um, right. you know, do I guess, uh, do you, um, you know, I mean, and obviously like in any professional sport, the very first thing that I always think of is like, okay, make this easier on yourself, like build, you know, put in the time on the front end to put in tricks and, 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 uh, and equations into whatever you're using so that you don't have to do a ton of manual input day in, day out. Otherwise the grind will wear you down and you're spending all of this time manually doing things that you could otherwise be, you know, evaluating your handicap. Um, and that's kind of where I want to get to next. You go about doing a full on handicap for a full slate of games on any given NHL day. Right now you have all of your projections. Um, you know, what is your process like in terms of, okay, I'm going to look at the opening lines. Okay. I'm going to wait till limits go up. Okay. I'm going to hit these prices at these books, uh, knowing that it's not going to widely move the market until these books have higher limits. You know, like how, how do you, you know, how do you go about strategizing, uh, you know, getting action down across games? And then, you know, how do you take, um, just an algorithmic out- output? and weave it into a broader handicap where you're incorporating things like motivation and things like, you know, injuries or replacement level players and things like that. Like, you know, what are, what are some of the the steps that you think are, are the most important to get right? Um, so loaded question. I mean, the, the, I'll start by saying that every, pretty much everything I do is automated for the most part. Um, oh. I try to automate things as much as I possibly can because it's just I, I I don't have the I don't have twelve hours a day to be sitting in front of a computer constantly monitoring everything that I can. Uh, the second thing I will say is, uh, and I'm I'm fine I'm okay admitting this, but I don't place most of my own bets. Um, I have other people that place bets for me. Um, of course. So essentially, what will happen is I will set my numbers, and I'm constantly scraping Pinnacle in order to see what um, the market current market numbers are edge or I have an edge that I feel is worth playing uh, basically what's going to happen is I'm going to get an alert on a on telegram through a bot that I have set up that's going to tell me you now have a bet a possible bet um, on this game what I do is just confirm it right away and someone will um, if it's something that could be related to maybe a goalie change in hockey or some big piece of news, um, sure. then I will just quickly check to make sure that I have the right number and my model has already accounted for that properly before I confirm it. But essentially, that's my process. Uh, and then the rest of the day, I kind of just stay on top of player news as best as I can to um, possibly be ready to react as quickly as possible before someone else in the hockey market. So um, that's Pro, primarily that's getting off sort of, of plays after or primarily getting off of plays or when there's new information that gives you a greater edge on a, on a play you had kind of circled. Uh, I don't get off of plays at all, period. Uh, once okay. I bet it, I'm, I, I stick through it. Uh, it's difficult to, to do that with um, – the infrastructure I have in place right now. Um, also, sense. I mean, yep, yep. you know, when I'm confirming a bet and it's getting bet through lots of different accounts, um, it's not easy to have people bet the opposite way in those accounts, especially since it's going to look like they're arbing out in some capacity or something. So uh, I don't, I don't ever buy off of plays. 
just because arbing is a sign that gets you banned yeah not necessarily um but it could and yeah. um basically uh, i have relationships with different people that move my hockey action and i i don't really want to ask them to do that so that um, makes it's more sense. of a personal choice yeah. yeah got it got it got it fascinating man um how about uh the um I guess that do you, is it is that as crazy with player information in the NHL as it is in the NBA? Because the NBA, I bet I bet relatively late in the market cycle, and I recognize and know that I'm losing massive edges in certain games and certain times in the season, especially. But I am just like I've been burned so often by last minute, uh, and and a ton of this is because I feel like when your model identifies an edge. And, you know, there's a lot of times you don't know, is this an edge because there's inside information out there that they know this star player is not playing? Or is this an edge because this is really a bad line, <laughs> right? And that yeah. in, the, in the NBA, that's a huge problem. Uh, and so I just, I've just kind of gotten into the pattern of, look, I'm going to have to beat a late number. I just, you know, I have to live with that. Um, that, that yeah, I was going to ask hockey? too, as far as like, <clears throat> you know, are you... Uh, for the most part, are you comfortable betting into early lines, trying to get the best of the number, or is like goalie and that sort of information that you know, just lineup information that important to this market? If if I didn't bet early in hockey, I would lose probably two thirds of my volume. I mean, you you have to do it wow. because other people are doing it. Yeah, it's um, it, wow. it's at the at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's. You're going to get screwed sometimes. Sometimes it's going to work in your favor. Have to look at it. Sometimes um, the team that you bet on will play their backup goalie, and that sucks. Sometimes the team you bet on is a team that's playing their backup goalie, and that works in your favor. So when you sure. kind of look at it like a 50-50, uh, once out, uh, then I have no problem playing early. Uh, there are situations, though, where you'll have like a star player who – uh, misses the morning skate and is listed as questionable for the game. Um, and that's just a matter of personal want to play that or take a, sh take a guess as to whether he's going to play or not. Um, sure. There's a lot of things that go into that. Sometimes what I'll do is I will actually just take out 50% of that player's value from the team, uh, which would basically account for him playing half the games and him missing half the games. Um, but it's, it's not consistent. I mean, uh, a lot of it is feel. Uh, that's the reality of it. Uh, I tell people this all the a good model. Um, we help you in winning, but you also have to have an understanding of the market that you're betting in uh, are going to react. And um, certain things that you just might notice on a regular basis in, in by betting in that market. Mm, okay. Uh, two uh, questions. Yeah, that, for you. I like the 50 50 thing too. I try to tell people that in, in so many things. Whenever you have a, a bad beat or betting tennis, when you're, your guy's going to win and the other player retires and it's a void. Sure. Like that, that's, you know, it's all like that sort of stuff all just evens out. It all evens I agree, out. If you, if I, I you, agree if, with if that you have in enough general. Volume, it, it does even out. I agree with that in general. But it's a it's a it's a problem in the NBA more than it's a problem in every. Oh sport. yeah, for sure. I don't. That's why I don't even touch that stuff. It's wild. Like <laughs> no, there'll be five minutes a, before the game, and like you know, he has yeah, a bad surgery. It's a problem for two reasons in the NBA. The first is that a single player level impact is greater, probably, other than maybe a goalie or a pitcher, right? And then two, there's just rampant inside information, and like, and for sure. 
you know, there are, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I'm speculating here, but I think a ton of, uh, you know, the heavy, sharp action in MBA is information-based action. People know and have connections and, you know, they, they get information before the market gets it at large and, you know, they're taking action based on that. And so, you know, a lot of times, you, I mean, I don't know, I, I think maybe I, I'm, I'm, I've been, I feel like I've been the, you know, the, the one holding the bag. Uh, enough over the f- you know first three seasons I was doing this and trying to get in early that I've just kind of thrown my hands up now and said okay fine fuck it I'll I'll live with it and bet late but like uh, but I can totally see the different scenario playing out in, in a sport like like hockey or or baseball you know where where one guy in the lineup's not going to make the difference win or lose you know more than a you know five four or five percent at the most probably right I mean is 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 that fair to say that any given hockey player is is there any hockey player that's more more than five percent plus or minus win percentage uh, aside from a goalie there's no there's no and there's no skater that would be worth five percent uh goal there there's a couple situations with goalies in the league where it will happen but uh there's no there's no skater and I mean you bring up a lot of good points there and I I I, again, I think a lot of it just comes down to personal preference. I don't think there's a right way or wrong way. I think you can track a lot of these things. Like for hockey, for example, I track my my morning plays and I track any plays that I might make that are fading uh, someone else's steam or plays that are related to news. or, or um, And you can kind of determine whether there's value in betting at certain times of the day or whether you're better off just waiting. So uh, I do know people that are pros that they don't bet in the morning and they wait till like baseball lineups are finalized before they make their bets. And they might end up with only one or two plays a day, uh, but they're absolutely confident in their edge on those games because now all of the factors are known at that point. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. Um, So question for you about kind of the hockey market in general. Uh, and feel free to sidestep this in any way you see fit. Um, but as you kind of look across at least gambling Twitter, and granted, like my perspective is very narrow because I was never like a forums guy. I was never really involved in gambling news or information in any other way or capacity other than watching people tweet about it uh, and you know chatting with people about it. But it feels like there are... 50 to 100 people who kind of fancy themselves hockey experts on Twitter. And that doesn't exist in the NBA. It doesn't really exist that much for, you know, for college basketball or baseball, I feel like. Like it's kind of, it kind of feels like for whatever reason, hockey has this enormous pool of, of you know, of self-proclaimed experts. And granted, I'm, you know, I don't know enough about who's, you know, you know, cause so many people are behind paywalls. I don't know who actually is good or otherwise like is, you know, do you think that the pool it's, of players in yeah. NHL in general, is it a relatively sharp pool? It's winter, like eight months out of uh, the year up there. I mean, they're, they're all just <laughs> sitting on Twitter cause it's, they live in freaking places like Winnipeg and Saskatoon. Right. I mean, of, I, I can't, I, uh, I, I can't speak to, um, I mean, whether, there are more sharp players um, or people are winning more on hockey. I mean, I certainly follow more hockey people than basketball people on Twitter. So that skews my perception a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, it's relatively small. It's not easy to get a big bet down on a hockey game relative to uh, all the other major sports, which take much bigger bets than a standard NHL game. So um, there's not really a lot of huge play, maybe about a handful of people that are moving line uh if that 
and some of them points in the year because they're focused on other sports as well so oh, it's a sure, much quieter sure, market sure. um uh, but I, I mean it's tough to say i mean i i obviously I, I feel like it's my biggest edge so i'm there might be people out there that feel that it's their biggest edge as well uh compared to some of the other major sports leagues um but it's hard for me to gauge it altogether. gotcha gotcha um speaking of liquidity speaking of moving markets like if how do you deal with the fact that if you are the market mover, how do you evaluate your performance against the market? Like is closing line value worth anything if it's only moving because you are a respected player moving that market? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, I, I've experienced this firsthand. Uh, I had a miserable December this year. Um, probably one of the worst, it's gotta be the worst month I've ever had betting on hockey. I'm actually just going to pull up my tracking sheet really quickly, but I had a negative 18.7% ROI in December. Um, I made 116 bets and I beat the close on 106 of those 116 bets. Now, I, I definitely do have, I mean, just based on the people who I know are betting for me, I definitely know that I have some influence in the hockey market. Um, so then this really makes you re reevaluate everything um, sure. in a period like that, because you start to ask yourself, am I doing something wrong? Um, are, are, no, no one willing to play against me. Uh, there was days where the market was absolutely quiet, or I just noticed that things were way slower to correct. So you wonder if there's other people that are even capable of moving the line uh, after you bet it. There's just to actually start to ask yourself. Uh, that was one of the worst periods for me as a better in my entire life. Because oh, it has to. Oh no! This is a night. This is a um, nightmare. This is a nightmare. I, 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 right. I, I mean, I'm getting. I'm sweating. I'm sweating just listening to you talk about this. I, I, and you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of everything else. I'm, you know, October I made 100 bets, 7.7 percent ROI. November, uh, 114 bets, 10.5 percent ROI. And then in December, I basically gave it all back in one month. So, uh, you know, you 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 have the every day is different. You wake up some days and you're like, nah, you know, things are okay. It's just bad overtime luck and bad shootout luck. And I did have a pretty miserable period of overtime and shootout luck. But then this happens regularly and you might lose like five or six days in a row and you're just like, I do, do I still have an edge? Like what's going on here? I don't know. So, and then I start reaching out to some other people that I know that I respect that are modeling hockey and kind of asking them if they're also having a tough time. And people are telling me, yes, they are also having a tough time. So that kind of makes you feel a little bit better, but you still, I mean, it's really miserable. Um, so, I mean, I look at, I think of Barry horse this year, betting baseball. Right. And, sure. um, I see the movement. On, I can tell you when Barry Horse's bet a baseball game this year because I can see it in the in the line move. Sure. Um, I I know who is moving uh, games for him this year, and pretty much everyone is in some capacity. Every anyone who has a lot of account, a big a, accounts person in North America, is moving games for Barry Horse this year. So he will probably see at the end of the year, uh, regardless of whether he's going to win or lose, something like five percent closing line value on average, which is ludicrous. But all, <laughs> no one is betting against him. Uh, I mean, even if yeah. the line moves too far, um, no one that's already put down this amount of money is going to go and bet the other side of the game. It's not going to happen on screen, at least. So he, yeah. he, he, he's creating his own closing line value. And that's sort of, uh, <laughs> it's very hard to gauge whether you're doing something correctly 
or not, but you might as well just throw it out the window at that point. And that's yeah. basically what I do, I do yeah. with hockey. I mean, the closing line value is nice, but um, I mean, when you when you do create some R- of it ROI is nice too. Exactly. I mean, right. I love the positive ROI and CLV. Like nothing gets me happier than that when they're, but when they, when they align. Um, but yeah, exactly. You, you can't pay the bills of CLV. But, and yeah, we, we yeah, talked yeah. about this over and over during the college basketball season, because I bet into absolutely nothing but <laughs> but but the absolute openers and i mean the you know as soon as bet online was up i was hitting stuff and i was only hitting small conference basketball so these you know these are openers 250 dollars limits they're the opening soft lines into markets that i mean some of these markets might not be taking any other bets on some of the books <laughs> like, the only you know, yeah, might, right. yeah, well i mean that that might be hyperbole but sure, i mean sure. such small such not many small other people markets. are playing yeah. university and of I, maryland I, eastern shore no. <laughs> yeah, you, feel, you feel like like if you if you hit it and then a couple other people hit it because i post on twitter and then you see it move a few points but like is that really you know, is that really true CLV or is that just, is that just false because it's, because it is such a tiny shitty market and they have to do something if, you know, a bunch of people come in on one side of an opening number in a game in the Patriot league that doesn't even happen until the next day, like it's going to move. So they were like, what was yeah? my basketball ended up over 6% CLV, but like, we just know, we talked about it repeatedly (laughs) where it's like, that's not, it's not true. Like it's not the truest of, of these are, these are good. These are good problems to have, by the way, like this is is not, you know, this is, this is a little bit of uh, you know, we're, we're complaining about good problems here. Oh like, yeah, uh, no. Like yeah. I would say, like in 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 instances like that, or or Rob's, where he is setting the market in some of these lines. If you're getting to it first, like maybe take it in half. But I mean, yeah. you still you still. Uh, I mean, if you're winning long term, and you're moving the market, you still have to feel good about the the fact that For sure. there, there's other people out there. And I mean, if you're just absolutely dead wrong and they see steam, I mean, people will come up against you. And sure. I mean, yep. it's gotta happen all the time. Sure. And, and well, I mean, it certainly happens yeah. in the NFL. It happens in soccer markets, which are huge. But I mean, this is this just goes back to the point I was making before about just being able to understand. You have some understanding of how markets work. Like, you know, if, if you're if you have a professional bowling model uh, and the biggest bet someone's going to take on bowling is a hundred bucks, then what's the point of even tracking your CLV on that? I mean, it's it, yeah. there's no one paying attention right. to that market. So what is the point? Uh, but when right. you get into bigger markets where there, you know books are taking ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars a bet, of course you want to you want to get the best of the number because you know that the best betters in the world are influencing that number. So right, it's all right, about right. just understanding the markets that you're betting in. Yeah. So and where, I where think are you this getting translates... the, this pinnacle of bowling? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Know. I just <laughs> picked a. Uh, oh, I picked a red. I, yeah, I think Preston excited. made a comment. To, Preston made a comment to me. A cheetah, sports cheetah, made a comment to me on Twitter yesterday while I was doing a Periscope about how my shirt looked like a bowling shirt. So it just kind of oh, stuck in did. my head. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> you meant the shirt. Yeah, I did. Yes. Were you were you were you at least a little uh, a little positive today? Take picking up a, an away goal, yeah, or were you disappointed goal. in the in the Juventus performance? Oh, it's embarrassing. They've been there. I mean, the result is good. I mean, picking up an away goal, draw on the road, that's a fine result. But the performance as a whole is, I mean, I, I haven't seen what the expected goals were on that game, but I would venture a guess that 
Ajax at least doubled them up uh, because it was well, not they had a the great one, performance. They had the one vo- voided the one on that. Back, yeah. yeah, they had the one right. called. Yeah, they, they, there was a couple of missed penalties too, I thought. But you know, anyway, anyway, uh, we'll talk about soccer and Juventus another day. Um, <laughs> the the it, You bring up probably maybe the most important point that really never gets brought up on this podcast because we aren't necessarily at the level of pro better where we completely understand this, and that is market liquidity. And liquidity matters, and there is a one-to-one correlation between how liquid a market is and how predictive the closing line value is. I don't think that's really even worth exploring other than like, okay, now you're betting into a market like hockey. Do you have some sense of what the overall liquidity of the market is? Like, how do you go about figuring that out? Like, and when you're new to this, like, how do you, like, were you just completely on your own figuring this stuff out? Like, just by like beating down the doors and meeting people who knew and talking to them? Like, how do you learn this stuff? Um, how did I learn this stuff? That's a good question. Um, if I reflect on it, so how I first started get, this is how I first started getting involved in betting on hockey. Uh, basically I used to post my numbers publicly to Twitter, mainly for baseball. Um, and maybe a couple months into posting my numbers, I got someone, uh, that said, you've been following you every day. Would you be interested in having a conversation? I said, sure. Um, so basically I had a call with, uh, some guy who I actually now work with really closely and, um, his whole thing, you know, basically what he told me was you're posting your numbers to pinnacle every day and I'm oh, sorry to Twitter every day. And somebody's immediately hitting your numbers on screen. Um, so you're influencing the market. We bet heavily on baseball. We don't want this to happen. We will offer you a free roll. You can bet into some of our accounts for us. Uh, any losses are on us. Any wins, we'll kind of split them with you. Um, kind of how this got started for me. I had a really successful baseball season. So the next conversation evolved into, what else do you do really well? Uh, which one <laughs> I said, I do hockey really well. And I said, all right, let's give hockey a shot this season. Um, and which we did. I got free rolled on hockey, had a really, really good year. Um, but it was through that relationship and just me being able to ask questions uh, to that person who I obviously won't name, but um, that kind of helped me. Uh, being able to understand um, who was betting on what, what times people were specifically betting on things. You you just, through experience, you gain so much of this knowledge um, that just kind of helps you understand things. I mean, people don't realize this as well, but not a lot, you know, there are some bets that uh, between groups rather than between, you know, through sports books. Of um, course. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know if, if basically we would, we would cross with other groups in the morning where, uh, someone would say, give me a price on the, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and Boston Bruins game tonight. And yeah. we would basically make a big free bet with one big another, free right? Bets. Um, yes. Great, great. God, I love that. Fuck, of course. But that what is... what you you start you start to learn the tendency, tendencies of people that you're betting with. You start sure. to pick up on habits that when sure. they ask for specific games, you kind of know you. So you, you can know why. You, yeah. right. And in a sense, it becomes interesting because now you have your true probability on a game, uh, but you also kind of know what the other person is going to bet. So do you risk offering them a worse number and then it blowing up in your face or things like that? So, I mean, I had a lot of fun with it. It was fun, uh, but uh, I would definitely say um, all of this is just, all the learnings I've had is just, I mean, it's through luck, basically. I just ended up with the right connections of people and was able to ask questions and was interested in learning about things. And luckily, uh, it just worked out in my favor. God, what a fucking story. Man, 
this is all kind of you know we we talk to share people and appreciate your time and and you know think you know making us uh, you know making me or yourself available to talk about this stuff because i feel like every time we you know we hit a couple of more pieces of the puzzle kind of fall together this is outstanding information and i absolutely love it so thanks for uh thank you for well, talking yeah, about we're it we're kind of doing um, the same thing just by you know yeah cajoling right. people into coming on a podcast and teaching us stuff yeah <laughs> like for how, sure. much, for how sure. much did we learn in the last couple of years yeah but, but no, you know no, a lot of people are yeah right and it's just like i i i the story is interesting for sure i mean again i like there's heavy luck involved but um and i oh. i understand so I, you know, I, I look at people, I, I had the luxury of being free rolled for a while to build my bankroll. Um, sure. If I didn't have that free roll, I probably would be betting a lot more than I was at that time, but probably a lot less than I actually am now, and maybe could not make a, a true living out of it. Um, so a lot of things just kind of fell into place. Um, sure. So to see some other people, and uh, you know, I, I have the luxury of uh, meeting a lot of other sharp people and some people that are younger than me, some that are older, but who have kind of built their way up into successful sports betters from literally nothing and not even the privileges of having free rolls in the first place or anything. To me, that's fascinating. And um, I mean, I, I truly respect a, a lot of people in this industry. That makes sense. Uh, at what point do you go from, uh, you know, do you go, you know, from being an originator to, you know, finding originating talent and kind of, you know, curating that and, you know, kind of having this, diverse portfolio of players who are hitting different markets different ways uh, next, it's a, next that, step <laughs> it's a well i mean I, i'll give you a real life example because i'm experiencing this right now um i'm having the best april i've ever had betting on baseball but it's extremely time consuming for me baseball is somewhat automated but you kind of i have to really double check everything triple check everything it's just it's not something uh that i can really get away with just kind of leaving by the wayside and um there's a lot of work involved so now i start to weigh things i and i have friends that model baseball i know of some public sources that model baseball that are are quite good and are certainly beating markets regularly so you know i ask myself every day yeah i'm, I'm doing well but i could be on a golf course right now and i could just give some other people some accounts uh, to bet into and <laughs> assume the risk and maybe I won't win as much, but I'll probably live a mu much more peaceful life. So it's always like this <laughs> inner debate that I have with myself. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the, the, I don't know the answer to it. Cause it, uh, it's one thing that, I mean, it changes for me on a daily basis. If I win on baseball today, I'll be like, all right, like full steam ahead on baseball. If I have a losing night, I'll be like, why am I even doing this? It's such a struggle <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's, it's all this, it's this recency bias, I guess you'd yeah, say, or the, the short-term memory, but uh, it's a tough one. I mean, uh, I certainly would not free roll anyone or give people money to bet with unless I was confident that they would win. So, yeah, I mean, right. I do testing of all their stuff, and uh, I, I like, I've had people walk me through. Uh, I don't want to see their models. I would never ask somebody to give me their model, or, or uh, but I, I want to make sure that they understand that they know what they're doing. And... Sure. Uh, that they're testing the right things. Again, a lot of people just, uh, I won this many units on uh, baseball last year. It's like, great. Sure. I mean, you only beat the line closing line 50% of the time. I doubt you're going to 
have success again. So right, um, right. looking at those things as yeah, well. You just opened yourself up to a bunch of DMs. <laughs> I, I already get them. I'll be honest oh, with you. Sure. I already yeah, get I, them. I, I, <laughs> I, and there, there's people, I mean, it's inter- It's fascinating. Like there's, there's one guy that I think is super sharp um, that I know of that I, I've, I, you know, I've talked to him several times in the past, but he bets the worst markets imaginable. Uh, like he's betting NCAA women's basketball. And I'm not saying worst markets imaginable, like I, I, women's sports or men's sports, but it's just like, I can't get a bet on NCAA women's basketball. So I, sure. you know, I'm, I, I'm glad that this guy is doing well betting them, but you know, it, it it's actually going to hurt me to try to find outs for this and so on and so forth. So I, I get a lot of stuff about that uh, through DMs already. I'm sure I will no, get that some more sense. now. You're probably right. That's 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 phenomenal. Uh, this is fantastic. Let's talk a little bit more about NHL. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you think the I, max I could, at, yeah. at, at like an onshore is on a women's game? Oh, Would they yeah. let you get what it? Fifty, hundred uh, offshore on a women's game? I uh, know you could probably get more. You could probably get like two fifty, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I didn't even look because this wasn't even worth it for me to look. And then I also work with uh, some other accounts guys, and I'll reach out to them and say, "Hey, what kind of market could we get for whatever sport?" And they'll come back and be like, eh, "It's not looking good. <laughs> no <laughs> market. No market. Yeah. So no market. Yeah. Nothing. And I, f- I feel like something like that would dry up in a hurry if they did let you get down big and it did well in a market like that. Oh, that's absolutely. That's absolutely the rest. You'd kill it. You'd kill it for a month, and they'd say no mas. Yeah, right. I mean, like let's let's pretend like you had a tennis fix that you knew was a fix, and you're like, you've never bet tennis in your life, and you go and you throw, you know, max play on some tennis side. Like you've now not only have you, you know, identified yourself as you know that you've you've given yourself up, right? Like you know, you're it's 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 a uh, it's there are definitely traps out there like that. And I mean, I've talked to people who are, you know, who have struggled to get action down, who, you know, who do a ton of like legitimate, like camouflage activity playing like absolute nonsense markets, absolute, you know, square parlays just to play the algorithms. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like they're legitimately like doing everything they can to camouflage their accounts. And then the minute you start hitting something, you know, a small market at limits, you're, you know, you've given yourself up to a degree uh and you probably got to avoid that like the plague uh so that's it's it's fascinating right well i mean one of the luxuries i've had and so actually a funny story is when i was younger uh when i was in high school i actually lost so much money betting and couldn't pay my debts that i had to work for an illegal sports book um for like a couple years just doing some running and and collecting money and so on and so forth so that first kind of, it, I mean, it was basically like work. It was I was working for like the the Italian mob sure. in the area where I was living with, and of and course, thing. But it taught me a lot of life lessons, and Better you started to, uh, arguably, <laughs> arguably. But it taught me a lot of le- lessons about uh, betting and specifically how they do their profiling. And then nowadays, I still do consulting for a number of online gaming brands. Uh, I'm very familiar with how the profiling works at different sports books. Um, and yeah, there's there's like people are going to get limited at the end of the day if they're winning, uh, except for a, a exception of like a couple sports books in the world that just constantly accept winning action or, or winning players. But uh, there are certainly ways to circumvent it. I mean, I remember years ago um, when I had a significant edge on betting strikeout props in baseball, um, I was only betting the overs that I had an edge on. I wouldn't dare put an under in on a strikeout prop that reduced my volume by, 
you know, half, maybe 60% of what I would regularly have bet. Uh, but it also allowed me to stay outside of the, uh, or, or not be alerted, not alert the sports book in terms of profiling for me, sure. because it's at the over, end of the day, someone would square. Yeah, right. Exactly. Someone would, you know, check the account and be like, well, this guy is betting strikeout props and winning, but he's betting only overs all the time. And that looks like a recreational better. So I was able to avoid profiling at sports books for years, betting those strikeout props. Um, and then funny enough, uh, this is uh, the story of how I got caught doing this, but, um, I was in Vegas one year, uh, right before the start of NFL season. And I met up with someone on, uh, who I knew through Twitter, had no idea who he was in real life or what he did. And we met and we had a drink and we were kind of talking about everything that we were doing. And, um, I was telling him about how I'm betting these strikeout props and they've been really, you know, great for me. And he basically said, what sports books are you betting them at? And I've told him and I didn't know, but he was one of the traders at one of those sports books. Um, so oh, a couple of days I, later, <laughs> I get home. We, we have a good laugh about it now because he knows the story and I do as well. Sure. But um, yeah, I, uh, and that taught me a valuable <laughs> lesson about telling people what I actually bet on specifically uh, nowadays sure. or being really careful about what I actually uh, divulge to people. So, well, good. Uh, you, you'll be happy to know this is a, a not a well listened to podcast. Uh, <laughs> we and neither of us trades at any of the uh, yeah, neither of us major offshore. No, no. We're, we are, yeah, like we are, we are <laughs> remarkably poorly connected. I have to say, and I, 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 the more connected people we meet, I'm just like, man, like how, what, how is it that we you know we've been in this and we're so freaking public yeah, we're so poorly connected, but it is what they're it all is. Can, all, um, the, all the wild stories come out of Canada, which oh, they still do. like, I always they tease do. Canadians about stuff, but fuck, there's been some working for the mob, Robert. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, an interesting time in my life. That's for you sure. Got the, uh, you got the Italian last name, man. You probably know I some do. people in the old country. <laughs> well, I mean, bo both my both my parents are immigrants. Both my parents are born in Italy, so I mean, I'm um, uh, right right there. And then I they obviously, if if you know Italians in general, they love to stick together. So when they immigrated to Canada, they found an Italian neighborhood. Uh, so sure. I basically grew up in an area that was, um, I mean, is just Italian, like ninety percent Italian, maybe more. Are you just screwing um, with us and like the, doing the beginning of Goodfellas? <laughs> I'm not. This is this is real. I mean, even the, the community I live in now is pre predominantly Italian as well. It's just kind of the way that it worked out. I, I, it's yeah, it's just, it's weird. But Italians do like to uh, they like to stick together. I love it. Godfather pizza. That's awesome. um, <laughs> so the uh, okay. So <laughs> we'll get back to NHL eventually. But this is too interesting. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to brand this as an uh, NHL. I know. You already, you've already missed your chance. Yeah, you've already good. missed your chance to get series bets down on the round one, so it's, it doesn't matter. And 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 you know, it's the playoffs should you know I, playoffs in general. I feel like I'm learning more and more the years and years that I go through sports betting is that like there's really not as many edges to be had. There's it's really a you know a tenuous time to really be getting involved in putting heavy duty money down. That's certainly the case in the NFL playoffs, and you know presumably other playoffs i as mean well. yeah that's that's um, a good question does do, do edges start to disappear in in the postseason is it is it tougher is it easier is it about the same 
So I'll, I'll tell you this, and this is just being completely honest with you. I haven't bet the NHL postseason or specific games in the NHL postseason going on three years now. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, if you're, this is the first year that I've actually bet the full NHL season. So typically what happens is... Um, well, that's not true. But the first couple years that I bet the full season, <laughs> uh, we noticed that post-trade deadline in the NHL, I had much less success, both in sure. terms of closing line value and profits. Yes. Um, so basically, market I just... market catches up to you. And this is... If you're, if, you're, if you're a market maker and if you are using an analytic-based approach, this is... Presumably, this will happen in every single sport. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, there's more data available at those points. But also what I, I mean, it was a, largely a mistake on my part. I mean, what I didn't realize in uh, the NHL is how, I, how to factor in motivation late in the season. And I was yeah. just betting these games like they were regular games. And that the reality of it is it's not. I mean, there are motivational factors in the NHL that need to be accounted for when you're modeling a game. Um, so I was constantly betting on underdogs that were out of the playoff race and finding big edges on them and losing and eventually got to the point where I said, um, okay, I'm not going to bet late in the year anymore because I'm consistently losing. So I would use the time uh, from March onwards to start to focus on baseball sure, um, and just kind of get into it that way. Now I've gotten to the point where I do bet the full NHL season and I'm confident, just as confident towards the end of the season as I am at the beginning. The problem for me is that I'm a huge hockey fan. I grew up a huge hockey fan, uh, obviously being Canadian, the majority of us are, uh, but when you bet on a sport, you kind of lose the love for it over the course of the year. Um, oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I watch much less games than I used to. Um, I just don't have the same satisfaction in, in watching hockey as I used to because of the, the monetary um, component to it and, and the betting associated with it. Um, so I like to use the playoffs as like my opportunity to enjoy the sport, essentially. Um, just not, you know, I still put in a few futures here and there. I'll bet some series prices, but they're not crazy bets or anything large. Uh, and it's not really going to affect my uh, my day-to-day -day at all. So uh, that's sort of my personal decision. It keeps me sane. And it's, uh, I, I, so I really can't speak to the, whether the edge is diminished throughout the postseason because I actually don't even pay attention to the market. How about, uh, and you know, I, I've suffered from this in the NFL this year. I didn't post public plays on any of the NFL games other than what we talked about on our podcast. And a lot of it was, I just wasn't putting as much down. And it was because like, as the season went on and I had profits, I rolled a lot of those profits into future positions. And by the time the, you know, the, the playoffs rolled around, like my head was completely scrambled. Like I was like, you know, I want this to happen, but, you know, I have to cover this liability. Uh, I think this is the right side on this game, but, you know, I'm stacked to the gills with futures, you know, on this team, right? And so, you know, I, I, do you get into that at all where over the course of the season, as you develop a feel for certain teams, you know uh, how to take positions on them in the futures market, or do you stay away from that entirely because it's the biggest outrageous? Um, I don't play a lot of futures or outrights. Uh the markets maybe once every couple weeks or so if i see that uh, a good a team that i consider to be a really strong team is in the midst of a losing streak um then i'll look to see if i could get a good price on them um 
but it's not something that I really actively pay attention to. I did have a Texas Tech 33 to one future to win the tournament. I was free rolling the NCAA tournament final, which is funny because <laughs> I only placed two outrights this year and they happened to be the teams in the final. Pure stroke of luck. Absolutely. The Texas Tech tip was a, from sure. a friend of mine that just, yeah, I know this is it. This is the thing that on Virginia and Texas Tech, I understand, but um, it was March 7th. I mean, I, um, I remember the date because it was. Oh, now I, you're giving away too many details. We're gonna have to edit this out of the pod. <laughs> it, or, or, or too many details is a, is a lot is considered a lie for a lot of people as well. But oh, that's true. Yeah, that's I, true. That's I remember true. because um, I do one weekly radio hit, um, and it's Miami I, Miami radio. Um, I just do it because the guys are like degenerate gamblers and they love to talk to me about uh, sports betting and stuff. And they always ask me for some random picks at the end of the segment and. Those are the days that I tend to actually look at futures markets. So I'm looking at my college basketball power rankings and I'm looking at uh, Texas Tech 33 to one. I'm like, yeah, give it out on radio and every, you know, it kind of became a big thing. Uh, And then I posted my uh, tournament uh, probabilities before the NCAA tournament. uh, And I had a pretty significant edge on Virginia uh, to win it all. So I placed that bet as well. So I just end up getting lucky there. But um, this is not, I mean, this is kind of me devolved or evolved into me patting myself on the back for futures. But the long answer to the question that you asked me is I don't pay a ton of uh, attention to it, but if I do and I see value, I will bet it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, It's, it's fun to like, even if it's not big, like I bet there's no, there's no major sports league. I won't have a future on at any given point like for sure i have one for everything i i seriously like paid attention to the well geez even the aaf which really really mm-hmm. got my hackles up when they canceled <laughs> the league after i got it right i had i had orlando five to one that was my oh. that was my golden goose there but even last year like i was a calgary what was the Sam Peters, the name of the team. Yeah, Sam Peters? Peters fan. Yeah, yeah we yeah. were old. I had that from preseason. Like that was my squad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd get, my big one was Gonzaga this year. That didn't work out, so mm-hmm. I took a little mm-hmm. of Virginia and just after the first round, and we sweated that out. That was that was easy getting Virginia to the final. That was uh, <laughs> never a doubt. I'm credit. Like every game, I'm like, why didn't I just hedge this? This is so dumb. Do you guys ever find that, like, uh, this happens to me a lot, where I just get to the end of a season, and I completely forget that I've placed, like, two or three different futures over the course of the year. Because this is is basically what's happening to me with hockey right now. So the hockey playoffs are starting, and I'm logging into a bunch of different accounts, and I'm like, well, I don't remember placing this bet on, like, Vegas (laughs) or, you know, Carolina. So I'm, I'm rooting for some teams now because I do have futures. But, I mean, that's part of the problem and kind of why I don't really love futures is I I kind of just forget about them, but I guess from a different perspective, it's uh, it is kind of fun to have something extra to cheer for, especially if uh, if you see them a couple months later after forgetting about them and they actually have a shot. Yeah, it yeah. for for oh, me. Yeah. I have random relatively... random tennis futures all oh, sure. over the place for and sure. golf and for sure. But uh, BC Lions, baby, this year <laughs> <laughs> just sitting out there. All right. Well, uh, no, yeah. For for me, as kind of a relatively inexperienced better, I definitely went through a oh, you know, like you have a swollen bankroll because you're doing well over a couple of weeks betting the NFL, and you're like, I'm the king of this. I know everything. And like the next thing you know, you you know, you dump you know two and seven on a weekend after you up your stake, and you're like, wow, what the hell happened to me? But uh, but 
And so you kind of learn like, oh man, if you're doing well, or at least I'd learned, it was a good way to keep myself from going on tilt was like, take some of the profits and sock them away and in some, you know, look at the futures market and be like, well, these prices are stupid. Why is that that? Why is, what is this, this, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you know, sock some of those profits away and then your bankroll doesn't look as swollen and you, you don't, you're not tempted to just, you know, go ham or up your stake when, you know, when regression is coming for you. Um, right. But, uh, but it'll yeah, come for you. It'll come for you. It comes for yeah, you. Anyway, it, it puts you in a tough spot once the playoffs roll around. Cause you're like, you know, like, well, how do I balance all these liabilities? And, you know, and, and then if you're in media or content generation on the other side of things, if you're, you know, you're expected to like, you know, come up with everyone. Now, all of a sudden the attention is never, never greater. Everyone wants to listen. Well, what's the right side. I, now I'm betting. Now I want to know what the right side is. And so, you know, if you're expected to have some opinion on that, like your, your judgment is completely clouded because you have, you know, stakes on, you know, across all of these teams. And you're like, well, I'm taking the Patriots because that's the only future I don't have right now. So I'm going to just yep. gonna bet them every game. And, and then, oh, wow. Well, what, what do you actually think they're going to win? Well, not really, but, you know, like I have to. So, you know, and then <laughs> right, you, know, right. you see how it all works out. Um, but yeah, so it's, 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 uh, it's very tricky come playoffs because of the attention and when you're generating content. There's no doubt. Anyway, uh, NHL playoffs. Yeah, uh, we should, we should. I was thinking too, like the people that, the people that are going to want to listen to this and they say, oh, you know, Rapazola, he's a, he's a guy who does this for, for a living. Maybe, maybe I'll take something away from, and not that we haven't hit on a bunch of super interesting stuff. This has been good, but like, I was thinking, you know, like maybe a, a lesson learned, maybe something that you could save some people, some grief in your, uh, cause it sounds like it's been a long, arduous process to get to the point where you're I, doing yeah. it for a living. This is maybe, I mean, maybe this if, is, yeah, if you, if you yeah. had something, something you could tell younger Rob. And this that assumes that you don't you a have lot to learn it the hard way, right? I mean, yeah. you have to learn it the hard way. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many things that come to mind immediately. I mean, for one thing I would have, um, I would have stuck with computer program. I, I'm a terrible coder, but I could have been much better had I, put the effort in. Um, and that's probably the biggest weakness or what makes this the most difficult for me. I can understand code. I can't write it efficiently. It takes me very long to write something that would take uh, probably one-tenth of the time to take. So because of that, I've cost myself some money having to outsource work in the past. And also, um, other people then become a bottleneck for me because I end up waiting on people to deliver things. So I think that's an important aspect, and I, I pretty much think it's a must for anyone that wants to beat sports by modeling at this point. Um, there are certainly ways to get away with doing things in Excel, but if you want to build things at scale and eventually get to automation and not have to rack your brain spending uh, the entire day at a computer, then you need some sort of proficiency in Python or R or any programming language really, but you do need to understand how to code. So, I mean, if I was talking to myself 10 years ago, I would have I would have really stuck with the coding aspect of things and continued to practice those things on the side. Um, even, I mean, part of why I lost those skills is because I eventually went into sports media and I never had to put them to use, but uh, sure. that was a, a big mistake on my end. Yeah. How about uh, how about pivoting hard back? I, I, and by the way, I fully agree and co-sign with all that. Like, if I were more effective at coding, I would be much more dangerous in handicapping space. There's no doubt. But uh, it is what it is, and I'm way too old to learn now. Um, but anyway, the um, <laughs> you are pretty old. I am pretty old. The uh, if you if you were to script the NHL playoffs for us this year, uh, how does it go down? Your your ideal outcome 
for uh, for the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, I mean, it may, not even like predictive. Like, what would you love to see? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I don't care about listen, what I, you think is going to happen. I want to know what you want to happen. I, I'm a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I've been a Leafs fan my entire life. I've never seen them win a Stanley Cup. Uh, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. It's been over 50 years. So I, I would love for the Leafs to win the Cup. I mean, plain and simple, I don't care what route they take, who they beat to get there. It doesn't matter. First and foremost, I would like Toronto to win a Cup. Now, if I'm being a realist, um, they're probably not going to win the Cup. So I'll give you a, a second answer. If Toronto doesn't win the Cup, A, I do not want it to be Boston because I pretty much hate <laughs> I hate Boston sports uh, because they've been successful for so long. Like I, It sure. actually just makes me sick at how good the Boston sports teams have been for so long. So I just don't want to see Boston win. Uh, this is going to be weird because you probably wouldn't get a lot of other Canadians that say this, but I don't want another Canadian team to win. I would like the Leafs to be the next Canadian team to win. Since, since um, 1993. You poor guys. Up right. There. Since 93, Montreal. Right. I don't go back to 1993. That's a very, uh, uh, for a Leaf fan, that was the East lost in the semi uh, Wayne Gretzky to the LA Kings. And mm-hmm. there was a very controversial high stick in that game uh, where Gretzky high stick Doug Gilmore did not get a penalty for it. <laughs> Um, which well, Leaf fans will always remember that. I will always remember who the referee was. It was Kerry Fraser. Oh, and this is, uh, <laughs> this is what the hockey nerds tuned in for. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, that would have set up a Toronto-Montreal finals, which would have been, I mean, that, oh, that's... man. Burn Canada to the ground. Yeah. Pretty much at that point, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, for me, I don't want Boston to win. I don't want a Canadian team to win. I, I'm a team that I'm rooting for deep down. It's probably Vegas. Vegas, um, yes, yeah, yeah. I have so many friends in Vegas, um, and I hated Vegas last year. And then I, I, because they were lucky. They were a lucky team they last year. I mean, they, yeah, and who they were no, both teams. They, they didn't put any. They did. They had no. They had no skin in the game yet. They hadn't suffered at all. They were brand new to the scene. They hadn't. They didn't know what a loss in the playoffs felt like. And now at least they have what one meaningful loss and that everyone went home sad after losing to the capitals at least now if they win i won't be i won't be upset but i completely share that sentiment well that was the mentality for me last year i'm just thinking to myself i'm like uh, you know the leafs haven't won a cup in 50 something years and this team is an expansion team and they're going to the finals in the first year i i mean it didn't seem fair i guess but i've kind of learned to put that aside uh vegas was and I'm, a lot of it is um, a lot of it is because of the gambling aspect. I lost a lot of money betting against <laughs> Vegas last year. This year, I won a lot of money betting on Vegas. So it's I've completely changed my tune on the team. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of have a soft spot for Vegas. I I, I think they kind of got screwed in their first round series because th- this NHL playoff format is so stupid. I mean, the NHL is trying to create these rivalry games or these yeah. rivalry series every year. But it's, I mean, it's just not fair for some of these teams that have to play each other in the first round. Um, it, it is stupid. Vegas San Jose is, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty dumb. So, hey, uh, so uh, that, but yeah, that, that series, that's the only bet I have on the playoffs uh, to this point uh, on series, series prices, by the way. And I have over six games uh, in San Jose, Vegas at minus one Oh two. Did I, is that in my? Is that a plus EV play, or, or did I fall into a trap that these two teams are really a coin flip? 
Uh, you're going to make me do a lot of math on the spot right now. <laughs> I, I can get you an answer. So over six games, do you push over on, six. on? Over six flat, yeah. Six flat, yeah. yeah. If it goes game okay. six, then I, then I get my, my stake back. If it goes seven, I win. Is that a five-dime special or what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. has to be, right? Yeah. Who else yes. is offering yes. over six yes. games? Over six, so basically, yes. I got to split my probability of exactly in six in half. Yes. Um for so i have vegas winning so you need over six games oh my god quick math <laughs> this is i'm sure this is what everyone tuned in for on the podcast for me doing math on the spot and, and well, what number did what number did you play minus 102 so basically even even odds okay that's uh, a terrible bet Oh, I think, it's, I think it's looking to be a terrible bet, but uh, oh, let me see. Okay. I need, I need at least one f- plus 140 to take. Okay. I have 47, mind, really? 40% probability on that. 40%. So there, so 40, no, 40, 47.1. 47.1. Okay. Including half of the push probability. Correct. I, I, you probably have a pretty large push probability though, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm okay with the push. I just want to see that series go long, and I feel like it's a coin flip, and it's going to go seven. So, what the hell do I know, though? Um, okay. What, what yeah. about you, Will? Oh what's your God. What's your final? Yeah, Subjectively, came back. it's three three. Three oh, three beautiful. Columbus. What the shit? So um, I have I have a series bet on Columbus plus one and a half games at plus one sixty eight. I believe this would About be a big three, one. Three there. This would be a it big one. It would be huge. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your What's these? your final whale? Uh, I like Vegas. Uh, I was picking uh, Rob's brain a little bit in the pre uh, in the pre pod, trying to get a, a sense of Fleury's uh, uh, health. Um, I do think Vegas has had the right arc to their season to make a run in the West, um, and I don't think anyone else in the West has inspiring enough gold goaltender play, except for maybe St. Louis. But St. Louis's goaltender is so young uh, that I think they probably come up short at some stage. Uh, I don't like the idea that Winnipeg and, and Calgary rely so heavily on scoring to get their wins. Uh, and I think uh, Vegas is the most complete team. Um, so Vegas in the West for me, uh, and it's tough for me to see past Tampa Bay in the uh, in the East. I just don't think any of these other teams are in their class. God, yeah, uh, I should have gone first. So that was mine. Tampa, Tampa and Vegas. Yeah, for me too. yeah. Just I mean, true. It's not Tampa and Vegas. True Tampa, blue Tampa, hockey Tampa, cities. Like, yeah, that's. <laughs> When you think hockey, grit, like <laughs> the kids, kids out on the ice, out on the I out do, on the ponds in the winter. I tell you in, what, I do like uh, I did Western you, did Florida. You, as as a as a fan for uh, uh, did you did you uh, get any action on the series price for uh, Toronto to beat Boston since this is a head to head against your hated rival or against your hated city? I didn't. I did bet Toronto at plus one thirty two. I didn't bet it as a fan. I will tell you that. Um, okay. So I am pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, it's pretty easy me easy for me to separate the fandom from the actual money aspect of things, uh, and you'll rarely see me make a bet um, just because I want a team to win. I mean, it will happen if you get enough drinks in me. There's no doubt about it. I I, I can do that, but I I bet the Leafs because I thought there was some value there. I like it. I like it. Um, okay. By the way, I, I'm going to interrupt go. you really quickly go ahead. Go because ahead. I just have to say. There's no chance that we're going to win. Uh, there's no chance of a Vegas Tampa Bay final because that this is a clean sweep for this podcast. That was oh, also my prediction. Okay, okay. I have Tampa I like Vegas it. in the final. So, yeah. <laughs> so sorry if you're if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan. We apologize for your first round exit. It was not intentional. Uh, it was no. This was not bad blood. 
Um, Columbus and, uh, is up. Yeah. Oh, we're what, winning. They scored here. four. They four, got four, yeah, four unanswered. Oh man! Wow, Tampa. Play we'll choke. Play goal here. Little lightning choke there. Yeah, as I'll soon give, as we start um, predicting Tampa so to the I'm, final, I'm, they're losing. I'm actually glad this. I'm glad this happened on the podcast because this is actually I talked about <laughs> uh, some something I talked about with a friend earlier today, which I've noticed in past years. Uh, I think the NHL playoffs uh, live hockey market is quite soft. Um, oh, and what I yes. per- now we're talking. So what I what I particularly think here is that they are not quite factoring in score effects properly. Um, so what that means is if a team goes up. They have a tendency to sit on the lead a lot more than they do during the regular season. So a of team course. like Tampa goes up to nothing. Uh, they immediately fall into like this defensive shell. Now, granted, they scored the third goal tonight, whatever, to go up three nothing. But uh, I think there's an inefficiency there. And I would venture a guess. And I haven't done any testing because I haven't I don't have access to good uh, live lines or anything like that. But I'd venture a guess if you bet every single team that went down two goals in the NHL playoffs on the live line, you would profit by the end of the playoffs. I'm I'm fairly certain that you would. Money line or uh, or puck line. Money Straight money up. line to to come back Straight and win. Up. It it wow. it happens way more than people believe. Uh, a it's not the same game as it was like ten years ago in the NHL. Sure. Uh, it's much more wide open. There's more goal scoring, and because there's more goal scoring, there's increased likelihood that a team will come back uh, from being down a couple goals. And B, like I said, the tendencies of the teams have not changed. So you do see teams fall into these defensive shells um, in the playoffs, especially trying to protect leads rather than score more goals. I like it. Um, we might have to edit this part out of the pod because that was a, that was an actual actionable nugget that might be valuable. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, but we'll see. Uh, the um, okay. So question. Last little. Like, I want an opinion here, and then uh, and then we'll wrap this that, this up. This has been. Absolutely phenomenal, and Very we'll 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 bring you back in this summer if you have time for us to talk a little baseball or talk a little more modeling. Um, the uh, the NBA uh, game by game betting <clears throat> and series betting is interesting, and we'll get into this next week with uh, a sharp NBA player uh, to talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, but and and when I get into my my process and theory for this, like it's going to be tough, Andy, for you not to laugh at like what I do and in the NBA playoffs, because it's, it's a little insane. And it's, I'm, I'm a hard pivot in the NBA playoffs from very, very serious analytical to like com- a completely different approach. And a lot of that is you can't really use a numerical or an analytical model for an NBA playoff series game by game, because nothing is changing. Game one, game two, nothing has changed other than whatever the outcome of game one was, right? And so you, the bookmakers, are they have a prior that they have to be relatively um, uh, you know, conscientious of when they line game two. And then game three comes around and everybody expects because there's you know, a change in venue and now there's another home team and presumably a team is down two nothing that now here's the comeback game, right? Like there's all kinds of like uh, swings that are expected by the market and that's built into the prices and stuff like that. But in reality, like the actual outcomes in the NBA playoffs are so far from the line spreads and totals so often, like way more than the regular season, right? Like typically you're, you know, a line might miss by two or three points on average across an NBA regular season in the playoffs. It's like seven, right. And totals, same story. Right. And there's just like wild variability relative to the market. And a lot of that is just because there's, 
it's it's impossible to price what the coaches are going to do on an adjustment standpoint and whether or not that adjustment that they try will work or not right like a lot of times there is no uh, you know swing from game to game because the coach tries adjustment that just was stupid and doesn't work because he's a bad coach or he didn't have the right pieces to make the adjustment right and other times it works freaking perfectly and you get a completely different outcome in game two than you had in game one even though it was played in the same venue with the exact same players right does any of this translate into hockey game by game and where you have you know you have just wildly different prices for a game than you can actually capture in how it plays out and there's just wider variability somehow in the playoffs game by game that can be you can capture some values just you know scraping pennies basically saying the bookmakers don't really know and they're stuck to their priors and, and there's value in kind of the extremes away from what the line they're setting uh, yes and no so what i typically find and again i I'll, I'll preface this by saying that again i don't bet playoff hockey i don't frequently check the lines but in the past here's what i notice that the need to win factor, so to speak, plays into the lines. So let's say Tampa goes on to lose this game tonight to Columbus. They're going to be way more heavily favored in game two than they were tonight because the perception is that they need to win that game. Tampa's not going to lose two games on home ice. And there's really no one that really wants to bet Columbus in that second game. I'm one of those people (laughs) that would probably bet Columbus in that second game. Of course, because there's there's free change there. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it, it's both these teams want to win. Right. I mean, that's what people forget. Everybody thinks that one team all of a sudden, because they lost a game on home ice, that they're going to somehow try harder in a playoff game the next time around. I mean, we, we should assume that they're trying at 100 percent in every playoff game. Um, I, I, I don't think that there are many cases where a team is not giving it their all in a playoff game. Um, the only exception being a series that go three nothing. So you do see a kind of like a demoralization or letdown factor for teams that fall behind three nothing in a series, um, okay. and I think that's justified when it's built into the price. But you're going to see a lot of that throughout the NHL playoffs, and that's just going to be the narrative in general, right? You'll see all, you'll hear all sorts. Um, this team hasn't lost two games on home ice, two games in a row on home ice all year or whatever, as if that means anything, uh, relative to (laughs) this game now. So, I mean, just, uh, it's little things like that. And, you know, you asked me about pieces of advice before I talked about the computer programming. I guess another piece I would give to people is just don't let the narratives take over. Um, I, you can give me any game on the board and I can argue for either team. (laughs) <laughs> I, I can make, a, I mean, the reality is I can, I can give you a sound argument for any team playing on any given day and why I think they will win or why they will cover. It's not hard to do that um, yeah. because we can draw so many different narratives. It's not difficult. And that's why good touts are good touts because they're able to spin those narratives and convince people that they have some sort of advantage that they don't have. So that's the advice that I would give to people is don't fall into that trap of the narratives and try to stick to data points and, and actual uh, numbers instead. No, I, I mean, we I, say that know, so much in the NFL I mean, pods yeah, too. Yeah. As far sure. as like, if you're going to hear about something all week on ESPN, it like, we would never say just like blindly fade something, but don't, don't make a bet based on stuff like that. Those narratives that you see on TV all week. That's a that's a bad way to start your handicapping. Rest assured, one of the (laughs) oldest tricks in the book, and I know this because we know a guy who made a living doing this because he was an outstanding writer and he's excellent with the narrative aspects. He wouldn't even handicap a game; he would just get a sharp side. It's like 
somebody somebody would come to him and say, hey, this is the, the sharp side tonight. This is what the numbers bear out. And he would write the narrative for it and sell that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah. Like the, and, and I guarantee you that the kind of the, 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 poorly you know the, the poor reputation you know tout sites out there had guys they wouldn't even do the numbers they would just say hey guy you're good at writing you write this side tonight and hey guy you're good at writing you write the other side tonight and one of you guys will be right and will have this narrative that makes it sound like you knew what was going to happen uh and if you get two or three of those in a right we're going to feature you as the hot capper and sell your picks right i mean like that is that is 101 like that's how the yep. industry was made, yeah. and it's 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 a it's a great advice to kind of try to dissociate yourself from the narrative because guess what the narratives are never louder and they are never more concentrated and they are never more focused than the playoffs when there is more attention being paid and there are fewer games being played and it is crazy when the NFL playoffs roll around and there's two games or one game in the case of the Super Bowl and there's two weeks to talk about it and everybody who's getting paid to do this to talk about it has to come up with their points and their narratives about why this team will win or, or the game will be high or low scoring or whatever and uh, and all that stuff is is not necessarily founded in reality it's all just to kind of fill the void <laughs> and so it's uh, it's yep. very very strong advice so you guys ready to wrap it up yeah, NHL. Playoffs. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, the, the NHL is totally prepared happening to right now. NHL playoffs. No, I, I mean whatever. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good. Yeah. educational. Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, yeah, I can't Sam, name Sam like ten Coast. players. So whatever. Uh, is Sidney Crosby still in the in the league? Yes, uh, yeah, he's, he's still he's on the Penguins. Yep. How about the Ovechkin? Is Ovechkin back to back? No, the cap the Capitals are not for real, right? They're not going to go. They're not going to. I mean, background are they? There's so much variance in hockey. Literally, what I love about the hockey playoffs, um, we've seen eight seeds win the Stanley Cup before that have gone into the teams that have gone in the playoffs as an eight seed. Uh, it can happen, but um, I don't think Washington's going to win. I'm Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's if they do, up. I mean, I agree people on Twitter because I think I tweeted about not being high on Washington, and yeah. you know how that works out. <laughs> They'll right, find well, best you. Of luck. Best of luck these playoffs. This was an outstanding podcast, Rob. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, check yeah. him out at Rob Pozzola on Twitter. Check out his periscopes. You can go back through these periscopes, and they are there is some great evergreen, interesting uh, concepts and topics there. If you're interested in building sports models, and if you're listening to us in this podcast, or you're following us on Twitter, you probably already follow Rob. So, uh, with all that, thank you for uh, being our guest today, and uh, best of luck these playoffs and. Uh, I hope you get after it with this, uh, you know, you know, continued success in the baseball markets, and uh, we'll we'll try to get you back on the summer. Perfect, sounds good, guys. I'd love to do it.